welcome to another Takeover episode of It's Okay to Feel, a NAMI OC podcast. I'm your Takeover host for today, Vivian Lee. I want to thank you girls, guys, pals, friends for joining me in today's podcast. So this unique Takeover episode is a feature on the NAMI OC Media Masterclass with teachers, teens, and young adults ages 16 to 24, the basics of podcasting and growing our social media presence. Takeover episodes feature Media Masterclass students like myself who want to start their own podcast. So my name is Vivian Lee. I just turned 18 years old on Tuesday. So my goal is to educate others on mental health and its impact on students. I'm currently a senior at La Quinta High School and I'm aspiring to pursue a career in the med field, like most likely biology or something like that because I'm really interested in that field. So today I brought along a very special guest with me to discuss the biological and psychological factors of stress and mental illnesses. Can you please introduce yourself, Professor? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your credentials, please? Sure. Uh, first, happy birthday, Vivian. That's oh, thank you. <laughs> all exciting. My name is uh, Matt Quinlan. Uh, I'm an instructor at Coastline College in Costa Mesa. Uh, we got a couple campuses in different cities. Um, my background is in psychology, but my uh, primary degree is in neuroscience. And one of the things that I studied when I was doing my research was how stress affects the brain. So I'm really into brain and behavior, how that affects human emotions, how that affects human behaviors, and uh, like we'll talk about uh, what's the link between stress and physical and mental health. Mm-hmm. Okay, so before we dive in, I would like to give some disclaimers. It's Okay to Feel is for informational, educational, and or entertainment purposes only, and is not suitable for medical or psychiatric advice, diagnosis, or treatment. It's Okay to Feel is funded by the Orange County Healthcare Agency, the OCHCA, Behavioral Health Services, Corona um, Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Cares Act. All right, now that we have settled that issue, let's move on, shall we? So um, just to give the audience just a brief um, summary of what we're going to talk about in our podcast today is that section one, we'll talk about stress what is it how does it affect the body section two we'll talk about like high school stress Um, i'll share some of my own personal experiences with stress and then section three we'll talk about coping mechanism to stress and addressing just the mental health stigma um overall so let's get started so professor can you tell us a little bit about what is stress and why is it important to address stress Well, I was thinking about that. It's uh, kind of a hard question because stress is very vague and it's different for everybody Mm -hmm. and we all have our own. But basically, uh, stress is like an emotional, psychological, and physical reaction to uh, something negative. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes, be feelings of frustration. Uh, Some people might get angry or we talk about like feeling the nerves. Uh, We'll talk about the fight or flight system today. Um, so it's just a reaction to something in the environment that is, uh, you're motivated to kind of act on it to either in a good way or a bad way. So there's good stress and then there's bad stress. It's how we deal with it that, uh, kind of makes the difference. Mm-hmm. I would also like to add on how, like, I think a lot of people, they don't really tackle stress on like face, like. Uh, directly they see stress as like something that's like really negative towards their life and they try to like push it aside rather than trying to find solutions to actually overcome it and like make stress like their friend rather than their enemy um which is like was our ted talk that we watched on stress i forgot who was it was by but it was really insightful because 
all of like my life, I've seen stress as like a negative thing to bring me down. It's just like added on to my like anxiety and like kind of like my depression. But like also at the same time, like if you view stress in a way that motivates you to do better for the future, it can act as your friend and like help you get through things. So what I would like to um, talk about is like the major types of stress. I know there's like frustration, internal conflict, change and pressure. Can you elaborate on like the four different types of stress, please? Sure. And I just wanted to point out that you made a very important observation where um, we need to cope with it and deal with it. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's dealing with stress head on. Yeah. And that's why I like that TED Talk. Yeah. It was called uh, How to Make Stress Your Friend by Kelly McGonigal. Mm-hmm. If anyone wants to look at it, really interesting. Um, so we can talk about coping a little bit later. The major types of stress, uh, the first big one is uh, frustration. And I think everybody's felt frustrated yeah. once or twice. Probably <laughs> and that's kind of the idea where you have a goal or something you want to achieve, but you get blocked or you mm-hmm. get stopped on the way. And it makes you frustrated, makes you feel angry or nervous about it. So there's simple ways and complex ways that this can happen. Um, one we all deal with a lot, especially in L.A. and Orange County, is like uh, traffic, right? Yeah. So that's frustrating because you have a goal, you want to get somewhere, and there's something in your way, right? But mm-hmm. that's easy enough to deal with. We don't want to get road rage, so you just kind of listen to music or a podcast, just relax in your car, right? Yeah. Other ones are a little more com- complex, like um, let's say relationships where you have a goal to be with someone and maybe it doesn't work out, or something like getting into your favorite college, getting accepted to your favorite college. Yeah, <laughs> I can personally relate to that one. <laughs> yeah, that can be a, a tough one to deal with. Mm-hmm. So I was also thinking of frustration oh, no, please stress. Continue, please continue. Is uh, with COVID, right? We're all frustrated with it. We want to go out. We want to hang out with our friends. We want to go to restaurants, but we can't because of this disease. So it's very frustrating to a lot of people, and they're finding a hard time coping with it. I like how you brought up like college getting accepted to college like I personally relate to that because I just finished um app season for UCs like it's really stressful because all my life I've been taught that like you know the end goal is like college you either make it you don't like you know and it's like so stressful because it kind of like basically dictate your life but it, it when you grow older and you learn more about the world it you're looking back it doesn't it doesn't dictate your life. It, you have so many options to choose from. But it's just that in that moment that all these like factors, like maybe your parents or like environment or these people, they influence you and like all this stress builds up and you just like feel like you can't like live with it anymore because it's just too overwhelming and too like overpowering. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, um, you know, I have, I graduated college a long time ago, but I remember what it was like and um, what it was like trying to apply. And back in my day when you applied, it was all paper and pencil. You had mm-hmm. to mail it in and then the mail was even more frustrating. Mm-hmm. But um, in my family too, the goal was go to college. And my parents said the same thing and they wanted me to go to a UC mm-hmm. or a state school because they thought that was the best. And I actually think that's and one of the reasons I teach at a community college is because, you know, there's just as many good professors and um, maybe not quite as much pressure on people. Uh, so they wouldn't get frustrated um, if they're in a little bit more laid back, but still academically um, appropriate school as opposed to like a UC or anything like that. So I like 
that goes along with all the college experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I really liked how you talked about like college, community college. Like community college is an option for people, but there's a lot of parents who are determined for their child to be the best, do the best, you know, only get the best. And that's like getting accepted into Harvard, UCLA, Yale, Berkeley, like Princeton, all those like top prestigious schools, but they don't realize how much stress they're putting on to their students. And community college, I feel like a lot of like just high schools and counselors push their students as well that to to think that, oh, college is where you want to go, universities, or that's where you need to be. But community college, it's it's an option as well. It'll save you a lot of money um, in right. the long run. Right, and college is really good for lots of things. Uh, academics, obviously, true mm-hmm. uh, careers. Um, but also it's for social learning and social experiences and figuring out your identity as an adult. And um, a lot of times, if there is less pressure on mm-hmm. people, in terms of uh, one of the reasons there's less pressures in community college is it's to worry about you know student loans or anything mm-hmm. like that, and that yeah. takes away some stress, especially student loans. Yeah, I was talking to Mike about this earlier. How like even though like you know in high school you um when you apply to colleges that's like kind of like a make it or break it moment you know like this is going to be my future this is this is how i'm going to make money and like i shouldn't like you know focus on a major that's not going to like give me a good opportunity for the future but i don't i don't as like bad as it may sound um it, it truly is about money like you can't really do much in the economy if you don't have money to contribute you can't buy a house you can't be financially stable which is like it adds on to your stress as well as like a high school student because you're thinking about the future you're thinking about oh what i'm gonna do what i want to be and it, it, it just like piles on and on like you constantly overthink things and the stress levels like can rise really high i think as a high school student as well also with like adults yeah. as well yeah, I agree. And um, I mean, I have a lot of adult students mm-hmm. in my classes. And, um, I used to work at Cal State San Bernardino. I worked there for eight years and I had a lot of community college students who transferred into the CSU system and they were just as happy and successful as everybody else. Mm-hmm. So um, it's kind of a good option, you know, if you are getting frustrated by the, the stereotypical college process, um, it is a good way to sort of have a backup plan and then mm-hmm. see what you want to do. Yeah. Um, I written this in our discussion for an assignment for our psychology class, but I just wanted to like um, bring it back to this podcast. Like the more I think about it, the more how I see stress is, can't, it can't be avoidable when you're a child and you start school, like stress, you uh, although like the stress levels aren't going to be high compared to an adult, as a child, you still yeah. might feel some levels of stress because you're struggling to keep up with a classmate or you're struggling to learn an assignment, you're struggling to keep your grades up. And then when you hit middle school and high school, that's when your grades really matter. That's when, you know, your grades are going to go to your transcript, your college is going to see right. it. And even as an adult, like stress doesn't go away. Stress can be in your workplace, it can be anywhere, it could be with your friends as well. You're 
you're you're stressed out because of your friends, you're like bad influence or like an adult working in like the like working in the work field, like being pressured by their boss or like there's too much work to do. Like I as I see it, like stress is like kind of like a universal thing that you can never get rid of, and there's no like definite solution for it, but there are possible ways to like reduce stress. Right, I think you made a very important point. Everybody, literally everybody feels stress. And uh, one of the things I tell all my students is, you know, if you're a high school student and you feel stressed out by, you know, your friends mm-hmm. or um, experiences, trying to get into college, getting good grades, you look backwards and you say, oh, what are, what are those middle school middle school kids uh, worried about? They don't have any stress. They just, you know, have to go to math and English yeah. and play at recess. But then college students look at high school students and they say, well, I'm in my class and I have to get a job and I'm taking so many classes at a college level. What are high school students worried about? They don't have any problems. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. adults look back and they say, college kids <laughs> problem. They get to go to parties and hang out. They don't have to have a job. So stress really is universal and everybody feels it. There's just different types and levels of stress mm-hmm. and you were saying even little kids can feel stress, um, mm-hmm. you know, social friend stuff. Um, so we always have to remember everybody deals with it and it's always going to be a part of our life. So the best thing to do is find good, healthy ways to cope with it and mm-hmm. to manage. Okay. With that being said, um, there are different types of methods to respond to stress. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit more about the different types of responses, please? Oh, there's lots of different ways to respond to stress, and it can be to any kind of stress. Like we said, there's very individual differences in how people feel stress, Mm -hmm. and there'll be individual differences in how people effectively respond to it and cope with it. Mm -hmm. So on a general level, we call them coping mechanisms. You can have adaptive ones, good ones, or adaptive ones, or bad ones. A lot of times if people are stressed out, it's very easy to turn to a maladaptive coping mechanism like insurance, right? Mm-hmm. Or some uh, cigarettes or using alcohol or drugs or something like yes. that. Those are all negative things for dealing with stress for lots of reasons. Mm-hmm. And we can get into that later if you want. So what I always tell people is the best way to deal with stress, like, lo- like you know, the everyday stress that all of us feel, mm-hmm. one is support, just talking to people about it, Yeah. telling your friends, telling your parents, telling uh, your partner, your boyfriend or your girlfriend, or, um, you know, taking advantage of counselors at school, mm-hmm. at the high school or and then uh, something else that I really like, this is the way I get my stress out, is by exercise. Like yeah, walking, definitely. Sports, uh, or if you don't like sports or jogging, meditation or swimming or anything that just, you know, uses a little energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how you talked about, like, using, utilizing your resources that are put out there for you to use. I'll t- elaborate a little bit more on our second section where I talk about like high school students and their reluctancy to, you know, reach out for help. But we'll save that for our second section. And we'll move on to talking about how stress impacts um, our physical health. Like how does the body react to stress when it's dealing with like immense um, levels of stress? 
That's a great question and because uh, there's a lot of ways that we respond to it. And like I said earlier, I'm a biological psychology person. So yes. I really like evolution and how the brain works and how our body responds to it. And we have these very old biological, physiological systems that respond. And so we always call it the fight or flight system mm -hmm. that gets you ready to fight something or run away from it. So the same things that our ancestors 50,000 years ago dealt with stress, mm -hmm. our body reacts the same way. I kind of conceptualize it like, uh, what would happen if you saw a bear, right? What does your body do? Your palms get a little bit sweaty, your heart rate goes up, your lungs start to work really fast, your pupils get really big. So it's your physiological system preparing you to deal with that bear, mm -hmm. right? Yes. So we can react the same way to other stressors like taking a test mm -hmm. or getting fight with our parents or our boyfriend or girlfriend or something like mm -hmm. that. So um, that's one way that we kind of respond. Uh, we also have emotional responses, like how we feel about it. So mm -hmm. some people get angry. Some people get quiet and sort of shut off. Uh, like you said earlier, some people just avoid it. They just walk away from the stressor and they don't deal with it, mm -hmm. right? And then we have all of our behavioral responses. Uh, those are the coping mechanisms that we talked about, the good ones versus the bad ones. Mm -hmm. I noticed that when I was reading our textbook and I was watching our TED Talks um, that were assigned to us, it kind of links to... It kind of talks about how stress is linked to like mental Ill other mental illnesses and heart potential heart diseases. Can you elaborate more on that and like why it happens? Sure. So it's kind of weird because how would a psychological thing mm -hmm. cause physical problems, right? And mm -hmm. we don't really that kind of stuff. But one of the things we don't think about is that every time we're stressed out, we do have that physical, physiological reaction. So it's kind of like your brain thinks every time you're stressed out, a bear is chasing you. Yeah. So if you had a bear chasing you 10 times a day, you'd be pretty wore out by the end of the day, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons stress is linked with physical health is through the heart. Because every time we get stressed out, our heart rate goes up. Mm -hmm. And every time our heart rate goes up, our blood vessels have to work harder and they have to stretch out and pump blood to our muscles to prepare to fight or flight. So people who have long-term chronic stress over years and years and years, they end up with different kinds of heart disease or they could have a stroke or um, they could get end up with like high levels of inflammation mm -hmm. and all of those things could other kinds of physical ailments too mm -hmm. definitely yeah it's it's important to be responsible for like your own mental health as well like if you see you're stressed out maybe you should do something about it and like you as we talked about earlier talk to somebody but it's easier yeah. said than done because um right. you you want to get help but also at the same time like your mind is like refusing to 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 actually um reach out and get help. So we'll talk about that a little bit more on the second section. Um, speaking yeah. about that, do you have anything to say? I was just going to say it's hard to do that. Yeah, People definitely. Don't because it's kind of embarrassing, even though it shouldn't 
be. Uh, it's hard to admit that you're stressed out and need some help. And also it's easier to do the bad coping mechanisms that we talked about, like mm-hmm. just eat yeah. a cream or drink a beer or something like that. It's just easier to deal with it immediately, even though those kinds of things have long-term negative physical consequences as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like talking to like a therapist or talking to your friend, it's not easy to open up like, cause you're like, you're being very vulnerable to them. You're expressing your feelings, your your deep feelings on your inside. You know, it's not easy to talk about that to somebody because it requires a lot of trust as well. So all this like factors um, like come together that can prevent you from relieving your stress in a way too. And everything you just described can be stressful in and of itself too. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the other problem. Yeah. it's Stress is a very, very complex topic. Okay, yeah, so, so that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I would like to share some of like um, as a high schooler myself. I'm like a senior this year. I'm graduating, but class of 2020, class of 21, maybe the classes younger than me. We're gonna have a lot of stress on our plate, and sure. it it's it's even though like it's a global pandemic, everybody should stay safe and everything. You can't help but feel a lot of stress because you don't get to do the things that you used to be able to do to relieve the stress. Like maybe you go out with friends when you're feeling stressed. Maybe you go to like art museums when you're stressed. You know, it just relieves some of the stress and you feel a little bit more relaxed. But all those options aren't available for you anymore because everybody's on lockdown. So I would like to talk about um, high school stress and just like the competitive nature of school overall. So... Mm -hmm. Um, as a child, I was really fortunate enough to be able to participate in the gate, um, education. I think it's like the, for the gifted students and yeah. yeah. And growing up, like we were always like in my elementary, it was like the gates and non gates. And I didn't really, really like that concept because you're kind of like discriminating and you're kind of making clicks between like the students. Like it's not whether like how intelligent you are but it's how you use that intelligence to do better you you know and it's like you shouldn't base someone's worth off of their intelligence just because they're they can't think the way that you do maybe because of like their own like biological factors it doesn't like you shouldn't be able to you know base their worth off of it Right. And you're absolutely right. And I think creating these groups saying someone's gifted and someone is not Mm -hmm. is too. And, you know, creating these groups that are against each other in one way or another. And one of my favorite things in psychology that I love talking about and I love learning about is uh, the theories of intelligence. And one of the theories of intelligence is this guy Gardner. Mm -hmm. And he said there's eight different kinds of intelligence. And one of them is logical, like being good at school, getting good grades. Because that's what my parents always said. You got to get good grades. You got to yeah. get A's. I think everybody's parents want like their child to do the best, be the best, you know, be on top of school, be the A student, right. be on top of everybody. You know, it, it's just the parents, they just want for the best for their child. But they're also, they don't realize that like you shouldn't like let their child think that their worth is based on their intelligence because it just degrades them and it causes them a lot of stress to do well in school. And like you were just saying, people can feel really bad. And that's why I like these theories of intelligence by Gardner because he says there's eight kinds and only one of them has to do with academics. Mm-hmm. There's also 
people who have like musical intelligence. Maybe you're really good at playing the guitar or the piano. Like I'm not. I'm terrible at instruments. <laughs> yeah. Uh, languages, uh, being able to pick up and speak different languages, um, emotional intelligence. Um, there's a bodily intelligence that makes, helps people be good at sports. So I think if we recognize those different kinds of intelligence and encourage it and foster it in people, Mm -hmm. then we would have less stress in younger kids. Yeah, I especially agree because, like, as you mentioned, there's like all different types of intelligence, like musical or art, and it's just a variety. And like parents, they send as like a small child, like what you're eight or nine, they force their student to force their child. I mean, child, they force their child to go to like after school programs, tutoring programs, and it just like force them to learn constantly, twenty four seven. And what they can't do is force their child to you know be intelligent as they wish they were and with like being musically talented it's another way of like expressing yourself as well as i said earlier it's not about how like smart you are is but but it's about like what you do with that intelligence like if you're really good at like playing guitar or piano you could become a musician and who knows you can like compose amazing songs write amazing song lyrics you could, like make the next pop trendy song on the internet or anything like that and it, it just really depends on what you do with that intelligence rather than like oh just labeling people with like an a or b or c or gifted and non-gifted Right. I think you said that in a very um, a very nice way that makes a lot of sense. And one of the things that I see is encouraging is uh, the older generations, let's say the baby boomers, mm-hmm. they were <laughs> good grades, go to high school, go to college, get a job. That's mm-hmm. what you do. But what I'm seeing now is our society and our people are a lot more open to the things you just talked about, mm-hmm. like seeing someone loves music instead of wanting to be a lawyer mm-hmm. or Understanding that someone likes to paint instead of wanting to be a doctor. Yeah. Like all people can be successful. Mm-hmm. And if you're allowed to be successful in your own way that makes you happy, we'll probably have a lot less stress in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would like to also talk about like how some parents like un- they kind of live their life through their children. Like growing up, the parents might have not had like the same opportunities that the child had and forces their child to you know, like live the lifestyle the parents wanted to live. And that's not healthy at all because they need to realize that like as unfortunate as they are, like time is changing for their child to Mm -hmm. do better in like school or like a music academy or like even in the sports. Like I feel like a lot of parents, they only focus on academics because, you know, academics, good grades, get into a good school, get a degree, get a good job based on your degree. But you can do so much more if you just hone on on your skills and get experience you don't necessarily need a degree although it's preferred to get like higher paying jobs but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to like that's your end goal right i think i think you're correct and i think the first place to start is that um it's important to remember that parents always want what's best for their kids yeah right so they're doing it out of a place of love mm-hmm. and they just want their kids to be successful and be happy, um, especially if they weren't as parents. So I I just 
always tell people to be careful. Like your parents just are trying to do what they think is best for you. Right. Yeah. So it's always good. If you do feel like your parents are forcing you to do something like take a class you don't want to take, it's good to talk to them and say, Hey, this is the stuff mm-hmm. I really love. These are the things I really like. And you can talk about why you like them. And then, like you said, you can lay out, well, here's my career options if I want to do something like that. So it's not just, you know, like studying psychology. There's a lot of things you can do with psychology mm-hmm. and you probably don't make as much money as a lawyer or a doctor or a salesman, yeah. but you can be just as fulfilled like you were talking about. Yeah. Some people, they, they're made to do this. Some people are made to do that. Like I, like we mentioned earlier, how like some people are musically talented or sports oriented while other people are not like they're just made to do what they were like you know gifted to do in and um what i want to talk about next is like how high schoolers have to face with like the toxic hustle culture Uh of like high school overall in general like the pressure to receive all these academic achievement balance schoolwork volunteer do all these extracurriculars, join a sport, be active in your in your school. Right. It's, it's, it's just too much. There's only 24 hours in a day and there's only seven days a week and you Saturday and Sunday should be your days off. But students are going out, volunteering at hospitals, you know, working on a pro- big project, doing their gold award or if they're in Girl Scout, Boy Scout, Eagle Award. And they're just required to do so much and juggle so much and yet like, they aren't getting enough recognition for it. Well, I think part of the issue is the culture we've created with getting into college. And mm-hmm. this is what you yeah. were talking about earlier is you have to do all that stuff if you want to go to Princeton or Harvard mm-hmm. or things. And um, so that, that's why I was saying earlier, like there are other options if you don't want to go to college. Like uh, some community colleges have trade schools yeah. to learn how to plumber or an electrician and people will be really successful and happy doing that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so you take away a lot of that stress. Mm -hmm. So I think if you are in high school and you are feeling that way, like you're overwhelmed, um, number one, it's good to talk to your parents about it and say, I'm feeling overwhelmed and I could use maybe Saturday off instead of doing this one activity. Mm -hmm. And really just focus on the things that you enjoy doing and that you want to do for your future, right? Mm-hmm. So you probably find a balance with what your parents are hoping for you and uh, what you would like to do in your own future. And then the other part is just finding coping mechanisms like we talked about. Like uh, you were saying earlier, it's really hard for everybody right now because of COVID, but especially mm-hmm. for people who just want to see their friends or hang out mm. at the beach or go to a museum or something. We can't do that. Yeah. So all our old mechanisms aren't really working anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's good to find stuff that makes you feel better, helps you calm down, like meditation or going for a hike in the middle of the woods where there's no people, stuff like that. That can help balance everything out. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about, um, bring it back to what we talked about earlier about how like we have to talk to others to receive help and like just get the stress off our chest. What I notice in high school students is that even though they're given like the resources like counselors, psychiatrists, and a therapist on school campuses, and they have countless of friends that they can rely on, they choose yeah. to just bottle up all their emotions and they don't reach out even though the resources are out there for them to use. Yeah. They um they're very lacking of like wanting 
help or like receiving help in in a way that like they're not utilizing the resources correctly. And that's a great point. And I'll tell you, it's not just high school students. It's college students. It's adults. Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. uh, older adults. It's elderly people. It's everybody. Yeah. And it's what we talked about earlier. It's easier to engage in these like negative maladaptive coping mechanisms Mm -hmm. because it just goes away immediately. Even though it doesn't solve the problem, we're just pushing it down. Um, If you have a lot of stress, it's hard work to be able to deal with it and Mm -hmm. sometimes scare people off. So I 100% agree with you. People need to use these uh, resources like counselors, career counselors, Mm -hmm. educational counselors, and they really, really want to help you. We have a lot of them at my college, Mm -hmm. uh, and they're great. They're wonderful. But it's just hard to get people to want to admit that they need help or to get in and come and ask for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's really true because like I know a couple of friends who have mm-hmm. spoken to me about like their feelings I'm just like okay um I can only help you so much you know I can right. support you as a friend but I'm not um licensed to help you like further because I don't know how to you know and it's gotten to a point where you just have to refer your friend to a counselor or a psychiatrist for in order for them to get better and, and- it, it, it hurts because you know, you don't want to like, in a sense, like, um, rat your friend out or stuff like that. How the kids call it, but like, it, it, it really, it's like an action that you should do in order to help your friend. No, even though it might feel like you're betraying them in a way and stuff like that. In in the end, it's better for them. Well, I think you're you're very aware, and I'm glad that you're that aware um, that some people might need more help, and uh, it would require someone who has like clinical training and things like that Mm because not a lot of people think like that like we talked about earlier stress a really good coping mechanism is social support so it's really great that you talk to your friends about this kind of stuff because that can help uh, the stress so it doesn't get worse and worse and then like you said if it does you definitely need to talk to either a school counselor or a parent to make sure that um it's not going to start to develop into a you know a psychiatric disorder like mm-hmm. depression or anxiety or something even more drastic mm-hmm. um so that's really good that you're thinking like that and i think part of it you use the phrase like uh, get ratted out i think that's from the older generations from like my generation and the baby boomers mm-hmm. uh you weren't supposed to talk about your feelings yeah especially male mm-hmm. And you were seen as like weak or, um, you know, distracting, like just deal with it. And so one thing that's very encouraging to me as I see younger generations come through high school and college is they're much more willing to talk about their feelings Mm -hmm. and they're much more willing to ask for help. So I think we're right on the edge of a cliff where we're going to see a lot more acceptance of, um, talking about feelings and emotions and stress whereas 10 20 years ago you just didn't do it yeah yeah i i totally i i agree how like the mental like just the mental stigma around mental sure. health is just really really bad because you're supposed to talk about your feelings you're supposed to like you know comfort each other people need each other we're humans we we need to rely on each other but if you just like disregard those feelings it's just gonna work it's gonna become worse because if you don't tackle 
those feelings from the beginning, it's just going to spiral into something that's going to be a lot worse in the future. So one example of that is um, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. And we know now that post-traumatic stress disorder, if someone gets in a crazy car accident or they come back from military service or they have some kind of assault against them, maybe they got robbed or something, it can really have a big effect. And exactly what you said, it needs to be dealt with sooner rather than later or it gets worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And I always think it's kind of crazy that calling it PTSD is pretty new. Like when in the 70s, when people came back from the Vietnam War, they called it shell shock. Mm -hmm. And there was no name for PTSD. They were just expected to deal with all of the crazy things they saw and did and just not talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that we have a name for it and that we're aware of it and that we know it causes long-term problems is like a really big step forward. So I think we're going Mm-hmm. in the right direction. Yeah, it's really amazing how we've taken so many steps in just exploring our, our cognitive processes and our psychological factors and just how we think because um, as you as we stated back then, like it, it wasn't like explored enough in um right like back then and it was disregarded there was a mental mental stigma around it but now we're like we're more open to it there's science and there's um, studies on it and there's more experiments there's researches on it and I feel like that's really important for us to you know um, take a big stab at um, diminishing the mental health stigma overall as um, in general I agree with you and that's a very important part of it because um if you feel like having anxiety makes you different, then that's going to be even more stressful. Mm-hmm. So if we can normalize things like depression and anxiety and feeling stress, and you know, everybody has it, everybody talks about it. Mm-hmm. And some people it's a little bit more severe, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. That can actually lessen stress and those disorders a little bit normalize it and talk about it in a uh, social conversation. Mm-hmm. I feel like people stray away from stress is because the constant comparison of their lives against other people. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm guilty of this too. Whenever I'm stressed, I like I just think about, oh, so and so has it worse than me. I shouldn't be stressed about this. You know, it's that like kind of like instinct and that reaction for us to dismiss stress, which is not a healthy thing to do. I but I feel like that's a very common occurrence mm-hmm. for people to deal with stress these days. Yeah, I think it can go either direction, right? You can either mm-hmm. say, oh, other people have it worse than me. Like, yeah. We can work, look at different things where there's war or famine or something and say, well, I shouldn't feel so bad. Mm-hmm. But in one sense, that's correct. And we sh- we need to be aware of those differences. But also that's diminishing your own feelings and your own emotions, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you're feeling that way, you should deal with them, even if it's not as bad as, you know, someone who's homeless or doesn't have enough to eat right yeah. mm-hmm. and then also some people will say well they'll compare themselves to other people and say well why can't i have what they have why do they deserve it when i don't and that's yeah. also stressful yeah so the point you're making and i think you're 100 percent correct is if you have stress if you have a emotion if you have a problem you should deal with it one way or another mm-hmm. in a healthy uh healthy way so it doesn't get bad mm-hmm 
yeah the thing about stress is like just how you view it like people can have like a negative view on it or they can be very optimistic about it and it it, it just really shapes how they react and how their body reacts and i definitely agree i do too and that's one thing from evolution that i learned is how people observe things Mm because from your body if you stress is supposed to be motivating stress is supposed to you motivate to fight or run away so if we don't get motivated by stress then it's going to get worse and worse and worse and we're going to have those negative side effects we were talking about Mm -hmm. okay due to time let's move on to our last segment okay we're going to talk about types of treatment for stress so I know that there's um, therapy and there's also biomedical therapies. Can you elaborate a little bit more on um, the different types of therapy or ty- types of treatment, please? Sure. Um, and this is just in general for all kinds of psychiatric disorders and things like that. But there's insight therapies, mm-hmm. which is basically like sitting down and talking with someone and trying to find the source of why you might be depressed or anxious or stressed. So like Freudian psychoanalysis is an example of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You sit down and you talk about your dreams or you just talk about your feelings and you just talk and talk. And then the uh, clinician is trying to figure out, well, what's a common theme? Like what's the root of all these causes, right? Mm -hmm. Then there's behavior therapies. And these are aimed at changing people's behaviors Mm -hmm. and their bad thinking patterns and behavioral patterns. So a a really common one that's very effective is called cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. Mm -hmm. It uses principles of learning like uh, rewards and punishments and classical conditioning to try to help people figure out how to change the patterns there. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the biomedical therapies or the medications, pharmacotherapies, These are the prescription drugs that we get, um, and they will directly act on your brain chemistry, like dopamine or serotonin, uh, to uh, try to fix whatever biological changes are in your brain. Mm -hmm. One really important point to me is that um, pills don't fix everything. If you're given a prescription for an Mm -hmm. anti-anxiety drug or an anti-depression drug, it should be used in combination with either a behavior therapy or an insight therapy Mm -hmm. to get the effect out of it. Yeah. I really like how you pointed out how like drugs, they don't like necessarily fix everything. You can't just, you know, overdose on drugs and say that, Oh, it's going to help me. It's going to help my brain. It's going to help all my hormones and be in place. And I'm going to be balanced again. It doesn't work that way. It, it, you can't just chug a bottle of like antidepressants and say, and call it a day. Even though you want to do that, even though you want your depression to go away, that's not the solution that you should, um, you know, take or the path that you should take rather than, and it's hard. I know it's hard for people to, as I said earlier, like just to reach out and like help people because with drugs, like it's a simple pop a pill, drink and go, you know, it's very simple for them. It's, and it's a very quick solution with them and with like therapy. Oh yeah. Continue. Would you like to say that's a very important point. And it's what we talked about earlier. Um, so just as an example, you said depression, people with depression tend to have low levels of dopamine or low levels of serotonin. Yes. So there's very 
specific drugs like Prozac that can bring up those brain chemistry levels back to something that's more or less normal. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, that's easy. You pop a pill, supposedly it helps fix your brain, and then everything will be okay. Yeah. But that's not true because it might help your brain chemistry, but you still have all these bad behavioral patterns and bad thinking patterns. Like people who are depressed tend to maybe stay in bed all day. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that can happen. So even if you're using the Prozac to help you out, you still have this bad behavioral pattern. It's not bad, but it's maladaptive, let's say, that um, a behavioral therapist, a CBT therapist could really help you with. So like you were saying, the drug part is easy. The hard part is the clinical therapy and the behavior therapy. But mm-hmm. That's also really, really important part. Yeah. This, the hardest part is like talking to somebody, like receiving help and like just opening up to other people. And sometimes it's really hard to talk about like your stress. Like sometimes it's not, you're not able to describe it in words. It's a feeling that you feel so stressed out or frustrated that it's just like a combination of all these emotions that's overwhelming you that you're not able to express your emotions or your feelings correctly through words and it's tough to do that and I understand people who you know are reluctant to you know seek help and talk to others like I'm very guilty of that like when I was like my my junior year last year my sophomore year things were getting like pretty rough like with schooling and everything but like I decided to talk to my counselor and talk to my th- um my psychiatrist on school and talk to my parents and it helped me out a lot. Like that's when I realized that you shouldn't like stop yourself because you're scared to talk about your feelings, even though they might be overwhelming and hard to tackle at first. The outcomes will relieve a lot of stress off your shoulders and you might be feeling a lot better afterwards. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you know, you should go straight to drugs. As we were saying earlier, like, oh, um, I'm clinically depressed. Let me get the drugs. Like, and I think that it will be better, but that's not the way to go. Maybe you should like, you know, take a step back and approach it and in a different perspective as well. Well, I think you made another very important point. Uh, (laughs) You nailed it once again. You said um, it's hard to talk about and sometimes people can't find the words. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting said that because as part of the behavioral therapies like cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm. um, or there's client-centered therapy which is more focused on the human potential and what you can do one of the techniques they use is they tell you how to describe your feelings they help you find words to describe yourself so if you can't explain to people teach you how to do that mm-hmm. and they can also do things like teach you social skills like how to have a con- let's say you have social anxiety cbt can teach you how to interact with people without feeling anxious mm-hmm. so it's really important for those behavioral therapies because they can help you put words and names and markers on what you're feeling so you can talk about it and they can help you recognize the triggers that make you feel depressed or mm-hmm. make you feel anxious So you could be on Prozac or whatever else, and that might not work because you still get triggered by a word or a situation. Uh, So it's always good to have the combination of those two things working together. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree. And I also feel like stress should be, you you can combat stress in a way where you feel relaxed. As we said earlier, like ways of coping being with stress like painting or like meditating or taking a hike I feel like stress 
it、um, builds up in people because they just don't have the time of day to do the things that they like. Maybe they're overworked、right. at, in their job and they can't find the hours to, you know, meditate in the morning or go home and paint for a couple hours just to relax their brain. Maybe they're working like、right. you know, nine nine in the morning all the way to like eight at night. Like for nurses, I know it's hard for nurses right now and doctors and all the people in the medical field right now. It's really like hard to tackle stress when you're not able to be given the time to do that. And with like adults and high school students, like high school students are like constantly worrying about their grades. Assignments are piling up, and as I said earlier, we have to do extracurriculars, sports, and all the volunteering hours. But there's only twenty four hours in a day, and you can't do a lot of stuff. And even though you want to, and same with adults, like you want to do this, and it's ideal that you take some time off to give yourself self love and just to relieve some of the stress、yeah. off your shoulder. But it really affects you when you're not given the chance to. Yeah, and I think one important thing we've talked about before is these coping strategies, like positive, adaptive coping strategies,、mm -hmm. like social support and exercise and all that. So those are more long-term kind of fixes. I think it's also important for every age group because stress is universal, like we were saying,、mm -hmm. to have a quick five-minute way to calm yourself down. So、yeah. there's things like if you're studying and you're getting frustrated and you can't. Get it stuck in your head.、Mm -hmm. Take a five-minute break. Go for a walk around the block.、Mm -hmm. Don't just sit there and look at your phone. Like go outside, get your legs moving. That actually wakes up your brain a little bit.、Uh, there's breathing exercises people、mm -hmm. can do.、Uh, one thing I do when I tell students if they have test anxiety is you can do、um, just stop and take a couple seconds and name five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear. Two things you can smell and one thing you can taste, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just minute, slow yourself down, and you can get a, at least a few minutes of uh, of uh, rest.、Mm -hmm. I think one one of like an issue that I would like to address is like we should start off like learning about stress or like not necessarily stress itself, but Teach younger kids like elementary, like a form of stress, not in a way that you know our neuro, like、um, psychology with all the like terms and hormones and all the therapies and the scientists, but like in a way that children understand that it's okay to communicate their feelings. If they're feeling stress, they should talk about their emotions rather than you know cooping it up. If you start. If you start to teach them at a young age, it's more likely that they grow up to develop like these skills of like, um, being able to express themselves more freely. Because I know that, as a child, I was very like reluctant on expressing my feelings. I didn't really talk about my feelings much because I didn't really want to talk about it. Nor did like I practice that as a child. So I struggled making my own decisions, dealing with stress as I grew up. So what I would like to like teach younger. Like children these days is that like it's okay to talk about your feeling. If you're feeling mad, then talk about it. If you're feeling stressed, talk about it. It's okay to feel these feelings because it's natural. Right, and so I have a six-year-old boy and a four-year-old boy, and that's exactly what we're doing as they grow up. If they get mad at each other and they start yelling and hitting, we make them stop and、mm -hmm. start explaining words like why they're mad. So I think 
you have that's a great idea and I think a lot of it though falls on the parents and when I was growing up my dad didn't work like that he was kind of the old school guy you just don't cry you don't talk about your emotions Mm -hmm. so I didn't really know how to talk about my emotions either and uh, it's kind of funny because I have difficult with my two little boys because it's, it's, I'm still learning how to do it as well. Mm-hmm. But I think you're absolutely right in saying the younger we learn it, the better it is. It's a skill and the better we get at it and the more natural it becomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like obviously we can't do anything about the older generations. Like they, we can't change their mind because they grew up with like their own mindset of how to deal with stress or emotional illnesses or I mean mental illnesses, excuse me, mental illnesses. Uh, yes we do it it's just harder for them to do it because yes. it's a habit mm-hmm. behavioral pattern and it's easier to stay in a uh, maladaptive behavioral pattern than it is to do all the work and change it so that's why i think it's a great idea to try to get kids to do it when they're younger so mm-hmm. we give them the good habit yeah. rather than the bad habit. yeah i think teaching the younger generations and then they grow up to be the older generation to pass down these like you know um methods and these skills is like a lot better for the future and like just our community as well as like people we commute communicate better we talk about our feelings a little bit more and we express more so that will create like a better harmonious um society as well and i agree and like i said i'm hopeful because i'm seeing that with younger generations and i teach my psych 100 class to a class of high school seniors um every semester and it's amazing to me how willing they are to talk about their emotions Mm -hmm. and their if they do have a clinical diagnosis of depression or anxiety. So it's encouraging to me to see um, the younger generations like Gen Z and everything like talking about it and doing the hard work now because it's going to make everything better and easier later. Mm -hmm. So how can we address the mental health stigma today? What can we do to make this mental health stigma disappear? So when you and I were uh, talking about this before, I actually looked it up. I looked up to see how many studies uh, there have been on the stigma associated with mental health. Mm -hmm. And just in the last about 18 months, there's been 6,000 different studies on the stigma associated with mental health. 6,000. That's Mm -hmm. crazy. So that's very encouraging to me, number one, because people are studying it to try to figure it out. And when I was looking through all those studies – They came from the United States, they came from Asian countries, they came from European countries, they came from Latin American countries. So that's also encouraging to me because it's being studied all over the world in all kinds of different populations. So they looked at mental health stigma in the family, at work, at society. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I loved was most of these studies showed that education and awareness is the number one way to lessen the stigma associated with uh, mental health. Mm -hmm. So showing people that it is normal, Mm -hmm. showing people that they can't just change. Like, um, I don't know if you ever heard, but sometimes if someone has depression, other people who don't understand it will say, well, just go outside, go for a walk, you'll feel better. Or, you know, just do something fun. Just mm-hmm. get over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like we were talking about, that doesn't work if yeah. you have a brain issue. You can't just get over it. Yeah. So I think the stigma is coming from 
a lack of awareness and a lack of understanding. And the more we help people understand what mental illness really is and what mental health really is, Mm -hmm. uh, we'll get less stigma and less problems with it. Okay, so we're at the end, near the end of our session. Let's just, um, I would like to talk about why addressing mental health is important. And I would like to start off by saying mental health is important because it tends to your well-being and it tends to your emotional states. And then it like just helps you feel happy overall in general. When you don't feel happy, you don't see like the purpose in life or you don't like want to you know do the best that you can every single day right and i I think you're correct and to me talking about mental health and understanding it and lessening the stigma or decreasing the stigma is really important because the more stress you have it's going to give you emotional problems psychological problems and physical problems all Mm -hmm. that stuff that we talked about So if we can start talking about mental health in a constructive way and help people understand what it is, then we can decrease physical diseases like, you know, heart disease and um, stress-related alcoholism and stuff like that. So the awareness and the lack of a stigma will decrease judgment, and then everyone can uh, start thinking about how to do self-care and how to find self-love. Okay, so with that, that concludes our session. I would like to thank you, Professor, uh, very much for joining me on today's podcast. This is like my first time doing it, and I'm so glad that I was able to share this experience with you, um, a psychologist and neurologist, with um, sharing your expertise with the world and for the people to have a better grasp of what to do with stress and how to deal with stress, the different types of stress and the coping mechanisms. So thank you so much for being here today. Um, I w- would you like to um, um, reintroduce yourself for the audience to remember who you are? Uh, so Matthew Quinlan, I'm an instructor at Coastline College in Costa Mesa, and I teach psychology and um One of the things we always talk about is stress and how to deal with it. And uh, I love that you're doing a podcast about how to do that. I think it's really informative and I think it's really important. Okay, so thank you guys for listening and tuning in. If you like the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find the show and it helps us to share our message of mental wellnesses to people in our community. And if you want to hear more of It's Okay to Feel, please smash that subscribe button and um, click the favorite on the Apple Podcast app. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And thank you so much, Professor, again. And that concludes our podcast of today's It's Okay to Feel Takeover podcast by Vivian Lee. Thank you guys so much.